All right, so we were talking about um, our shirts, right? And you have a shirt that you told the audience who can't really see if they're watching, if they're listening through podcasts. It says, I'm rooting for every good person. And yep. And when we came through town to visit, I want that shirt. I love that shirt. And you said, all right, I'll make you one. I'm like, you'll make me one? <laughs> like, yeah, make shirts now. <laughs> Which I was like, of course you do. <laughs> and so... It was really awesome. So he's sent a couple of really cool shirts to the kids and he sent me a shirt and it says, I'm rooting for every good person. Well, right. I like, I love the shirt and I was like, sweet. I love wearing that shirt and I wear it to work out and I wear it everywhere. I love wearing it. And, but then I kept kind of going back to, and it's really kind of a faith thing at the same time, just a me thing. Like, cause <laughs> well, the me thing is because I just want every, everybody has the ability to do good. I don't think everybody is good all the time. See, that's where we disagree. And I'm just like, people can be good. No, but they can't. But they can. Like There are, there are inherently evil people. And I, I hate to use the old cliche example. Hitler. <gasps> This is awesome because you know what I just read in my book, what? The Color of Compromise? Did you want to hear this? Sure. <laughs> I, I was, well, I don't want to cheat. I was listening to it. And I think if you tell people that you read it, but you're listening to it, I was audio, audible. So I was working out this morning and I have to listen to the chapters two times because that's how my head works. And I heard hereditary hedonism. Okay. Hereditary Hedonism was put was placed on the indigenous people here when like Christopher Columbus came over and in 1700s and on darker skinned people, they were hereditarily hedonistic. And I'm like, rewind, rewind or whatever you do on a podcast. And I was like, hereditary, that's horrible. Like, that's so beyond horrible. So that's what you're saying. And that is not true because that is a horrible thing. So no, 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 that is not the same thing. <laughs> what is that different? Is not. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and let you tell them. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I said is exactly opposite of what you just said. That, that, that was inherently racist, what he said. <laughs> Hereditary hedonism, because that's just code for savages. Okay, that's yeah. that's a cleaned up way to call people of the land that you conquer savages. It's horrible. Yes, every every dominant has always cast the conquered and the vanquished as savages, because history gets to be written by the winners. Okay. So no, that's absolutely not the same. There are people throughout history and currently walking the earth, breathing oxygen now, who are inherently evil, but it's not. When I hear the term hereditary hedonism, I think this is just in your bloodline. This is just who you are. This What's is who different about inherently evil? Because Hitler's parents, may have been really good people. Do we need but to look up inherent? I'm looking up inherent. Inherent? Yeah. What? Inherently evil. Yeah. Inherently hedonistic evil. Hedonistic is 
evil. Well, hedonistic is ritualized. I see that as as a ritualized type of of hedonism, as opposed to you know, that's not really. I, I, I guess the best way for me to explain hereditary hedonism, um, pointedly pointing out that that's the first time I've ever been faced with that, that hereditary hedonism. But well, you had I, a really good definition for it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I view that as something that is a calculated. It, it's calculated. It's not necessarily inherent, but it is It is used to identify a complete class or group of people in order to belittle or, or demonize or justify your actions. For example, Christopher Columbus was a slave trading rapist. Okay. Not a good person. Yeah. I wasn't rooting for I wasn't, I wasn't rooting for Chris. I wasn't right? rooting for him. If I had been alive in 1492, I would not be rooting for Chris because well, that, Chris that, was not. But no, that's, that's a good question. I think if we were all alive at that point in time, I think we'd be rooting for very different people. Yeah. You know, like. If, if I knew about Chris in 1492, what I know about Chris in the year of our Lord 2020, I would not have been a Chris fan. Okay, so I want to go back. Okay. This, is this is what Greg does, everybody. He just starts going, and I can't go back to what I said, which I think I got him a little bit. Because I don't think so. Well, it's not hedonistic, hedonistic and what did you say? Evil. Those two things aren't the important part. Either way, no one wants to be hedonistic, and no one wants to be called evil. Let's just... Those are kind of crossed out like in division. We'll just cross those out. What? There are people that want to be called both. What? Are you you garbly. Um, say that again. Sorry. There are people. There are people that want to be both hedonistic and evil. I don't think so. Uh, there are understanding those terms are mutually exclusive. Yes, but both. I don't think people actually wake up when they're five years old and they go, I think I'm going to become hedonistic and evil. No one wants to be that. People become that. So, I see, I don't think you tr people truly want to. I think that, but then again, I also don't think people are good. But going back to the point, <laughs> go back to the point, inherent and hereditary. That's where I think I get caught up with you saying people are inherently evil. Like that's like no. that's what you start out as. Like it's a synonym I, for inherent is indigenous. You're you're right. If I said inherently evil, I misspoke because <laughs> this, is where I, this is where I go back and try to clean up the fact that you caught what I said. Well, uh huh. While still making the same argument that, that you don't. Because here's the thing, all right? Hitler, when he was doing art in Austria, probably was not a bad person. But Hitler became a bad person. 
So he wasn't necessarily inherently evil, but by the time he came into the scene and became known, he's he was a bad person. There's no way you could root for Hitler uh, uh, unless you're a Nazi, I guess. Right. No, um, I don't think. Well, I don't think we should root for Hitler in any form or fashion. But I think what you just said was he might not have started out as an evil person, and that's the thing is, well, well, biblically. Like, I believe everybody's born evil in the sense of without Christ. So, you know, there's the whole, like, specifics of how you talk about that. But that's why I think I root for every person. Because every person has a chance. And every person has the ability to choose to be good. But I think we all aren't given the same chances. So, so here's what I think. I think we have two different meanings for this shirt i know you I, never told me the meaning <laughs> yeah. my meaning is in the now okay if yeah. you're out there doing good or what i perceive as good because one person's freedom fighters and another person is terrorist all right but if you're out there fighting what i perceive to be the good fight i'm rooting for you if you're out there causing chaos mayhem destruction murder, evil deeds, I'm not rooting for you. I'm rooting for you to fail. <laughs> well, see, but I, I can root for every person because every person has the ability to turn back around. And if those, those people that, that, that are doing horrible and doing terrible things, that's like saying there's no possible rehabilitation and then I think of my field and being a counselor and your wife being a counselor and Brian a psychologist, like everybody comes in, like, I kind of want to be a better person. Uh, and some don't think they're doing anything wrong, but maybe they are. So everybody has, I don't know. I go back to crisis work. When you go out in the middle of the night and you are told to come talk to someone who has homicidal or suicidal thoughts and you have to figure out if that's true or not, you have to walk in hoping that they can have a chance. Because what happens if you walk in every time and you're like, what's going to happen to that person? Because that person is really just as good as my child or my mom or my friend. Like they're all, pe we're all people. Sure. So we're all people. Kind of but there are good people and there are bad people. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make you any less of a person. It right? makes you, it categorically makes you a either a good person or a bad person or or, or or you could be somewhere right down the middle you know you then, could be right but so then what do we do what do we do when we look at the news what do we do right now this is this is why we're doing this podcast too because we just see so much well mayhem and we can describe mayhem in all different ways like just based on each person but exactly. do we do we decide on the behavior that we see that they're just they're bad, boom, we don't want to talk to them anymore. Because that's what it feels like is happening, which is why I love this podcast. And I'm like, am I wrong for thinking this? Because I'm scared to put it out there because I could just be canceled out, you know? Like, but, but see, I'm, I'm okay with just discarding those people. Am I wrong <laughs> for thinking this? Yes. <laughs> am I? Just went straight to it. Okay, so we are just going to discard these people. Yeah. yeah. 
prisons. Like, what well, are we what, doing? Historically, what have you done with prisons? Well, why'd you say me? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean what I do with prisons? And how do you mean that? They came out all, all different sorts of ways of work. Okay. <laughs> I've actually worked in prison, so you can ask me specifically. Yeah. What, what, what I mean is, I, I call you society. I'm the U.S. society. And, 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 but what, so what has society historically done? They lock you up. They cage you. They don't try to rehabilitate you. The worst of the worst, they keep caged forever. And the worst of the that they are even afraid of, they put to death. Because they just think people are evil and they can't change? Or because they just want to funnel the money somewhere else? I think it's the other one, because I'm trying to save you on the first thing I said. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. There are people that, in my, I am not surprisingly anti-death penalty. Okay. You are not anti-death penalty, so you believe in the death penalty. And, and the reason that I say I'm not anti-death penalty is because there are some people that need to be put to death, but I don't believe that the state should be involved in the wholesale execution of people. So How do they while get I, put to death? I don't know. I haven't worked <laughs> my way through it yet. I don't know if we yeah. have a Hunger Game type bill going because look i'll tell you this i'll tell you this i'll tell you this i watched the hunger games now that is one movie that i did watch and i watched the hunger game and when i watched the hunger game in my head i was thinking you know the premise is sound they're just using the wrong participants because to me when i watched the hunger game that was a that was a narrative of the rich powerful elite using the poor for their entertainment okay yeah but which is historical also, also, I would like, replace the 13 year old kids from the district with pedophiles and and child murderers child rapists people like that mm -hmm. and then let them let them duke it out knowing that they'll eventually all kill each other because those people are evil people i'm not rooting for okay i'm not rooting for those people i'm not rooting for the pedophile are you rooting for the pedophile yeah oh gracious why what is the hope well i'm not i'm not rooting for the the I'm not rooting for them to be allowed to get back in society, but I, I'm rooting that they they find why they have created this in themselves and why they do this. Of course, I'm rooting for that. That doesn't mean well, I'm going to go invite them to dinner and have them hang out with my family. Then that you're not rooting I'm for rooting them. for the human being in them. But but I don't think. See, that's where I think the human being being in in the pedophile is lost. You may be rooting for the soul of the pedophile. You may be rooting for the spirit of the pedophile, but the human being in that pedophile is lost. 
That's my belief. Well, they are lost. They wouldn't be doing that. But did you know that in all of the youth prisons in Texas, when I was working in them on a contract, I asked about the stats of it. So if you fact check me, sorry if I'm wrong, this is what I remember. It was like 80% of the youth. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. The listeners. They can do that. 80% of the youth prisoners are sex offenders. Because they have been sexually abused themselves. Yes. So it all starts somewhere. There, it all it starts, starts in a horrible place. It starts, with the, it starts with the adult pedophile preying on the child. Who was at one time preyed on by another one, typically. You don't just, that's where I, that's where it's, you could argue, are you, you know, are you born wanting to do that? Are you, where did that come from? I don't know. But right. all I know right. is I, I'm rooting for that human being to, to, to not want to live in that way. But that doesn't, sure. again, that doesn't mean that I want them to go to a Hunger Games island and duke it out. Well, I don't think you're wrong for thinking this. I really don't because I was very similar to you with the death penalty and the way I thought about it because, and I've always said that probably until about a year ago, but when I grew in my faith and I grew in what I really believed and getting closer to Christ, who I think is is the faith in my life. I finally was like, I came down to the fact that I, I can't, I don't believe in killing people. It's just not what, I don't think we should kill people. Now, I think you can take that in three other places and start arguing with me because we could talk about war. We could talk about everything we could talk about, but I, I don't think it is our place to take somebody's life. But then at the same time, you know the consequences of what you're doing. Everybody's told, this, you will go, you will be put to death if you murder people. You will, like, we know the consequences. So I can argue it that way too, but it, it's, again. So that's the whole run to Caesar, what is Caesar and all of that. that okay. So the, well, law, the laws are made by men and it, it, the, the laws have the consequences. And if you disobey those laws, then you have to suffer the consequences. Well, that's, you suffer the consequences. So that kind of puts me where you are at the same time, but there's also a separation of church and state here. I can't go in there and say, well, my faith says we shouldn't kill you. That that's not, that that's not allowed that because I'm not the only faith. Right. So right. We, we can't right. do that. So I can just have how I believe and what I think, but then I also give to Caesar what is Caesar's. You have to follow the laws of the land. You have to follow the, what government is set up. And, um, so it almost takes us back to we're about the same in the sense of, I don't- We, we, really, we really are, yeah. 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 And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, that was a surprising answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought you were just gonna lead with, yeah, let's put all their heads on a pitchfork <laughs> and hang it at the city gate so, <laughs> so maybe a warning to the others. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going to think that, but I mean, it's, you're, you're right. We're probably really, really similar in that vein because I mean, I, I literally, when I, when I read about an execution, I used to get physically sick to my stomach. Yeah. And, and I, I think why? My, but why, I, like, what is it that makes you physically sick to think about that? The thought government is basically sanctioning murder. Yeah. 
And here's 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 where it always face can always seemingly go back to childhood trauma, although this is not the trauma. But when I was a kid, executions always occurred at 1201. All right, no, I'm sorry. Maybe it was 1159. I can't remember if it was 1159 or if it was 1201. I'm betting it was 1159 so that you never got to see another day. So they would broadcast the executions on AM radio. And my dad would stay up to listen to the execution. Yeah. And I always thought, even as a kid, and I, I can remember that, that my dad used to, like, he would say, oh, they got, they got another one last night. And I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing. That's where he's I know, I know. It, like, but, if you know Greg's dad by his stories, it's sort of surprising. You're like, he said what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but, but I, I can, that, that's something I can remember is that they would broadcast those executions and not, not really a live play-by-play. -play. Actually, it was kind of like a play-by-play, -play. you know, they're, they're strapping. And, and, and in those days, it was always riding the electric Kurt, you know, you didn't, yeah. you didn't have injection. They put you in a chair, shaved your head, put a cap over your head, applied some voltage to it. And, and when you started smoking and slumped over it, you were dead. Yeah. And like, I remember reading, I read a book. There was a book in our library at school. And for some reason it was available to elementary kids students. <laughs> and it was about executions. Yeah. And, it was like this guy had witnessed all these executions and I wish I could find the name of that book. And he was like giving a vivid description of how the body reacted to the execution and things like that. And I was That's just thinking, doing in the library. <laughs> I don't know, but it was the best sixth grader to check out because I remember the grade and I walked around with that book. As a matter of fact, we could only keep the book for a week. And I remember checking it out again because I was like, I <laughs> <laughs> you know, I this for. But, and I think that that sort of formed, not sort of, I think those two, two things in my life sort of formed my opinion about the death penalty being just a barbaric way for society. You can't, on the one hand, claim to have evolved as a society and still be involved in this state-sanctioned murder of people. So, I believe a better course of action as I've gotten older is again, a Hunger Games style thing. You can give him a choice. I mean, you could ask him, do you want to go Hunger Games or do you want to go traditional death penalty? Like you could, I guess you could give him a choice. Yeah, but, but then again, what's the prize? If, if you go Hunger Games, what's the prize for the winner? Oh, you have to have a winner. Because if the let's say the prize is his freedom. Yeah, yeah, let's say his prize is his freedom, right? Yeah. If, if we say the prize is, the, is your freedom, then that means what we're doing is giving you your freedom from a charge of murder. And the only way you can obtain that freedom is to murder like 12 other people. Yeah. So you really just... Either waken yourself Made back up to what you did before. 
But again, if we went back to the fact that yeah, exactly. we don't, if we go back to the fact we don't rehabilitate, we don't, we don't rehabilitate. It's, it's the worst system ever to be in prisons. And, and I've worked in youth, I worked in youth prisons for a little while. And then I actually started working in adult prisons and I don't even have, I don't even know how to describe what that, what that was like. It's, it's just, it's a society all its own. I mean, it just is. And oh, you know, there are hundreds of books written about that, but even how young people, young people, girl prison, girls in prison, uh, minors, they create their own families and societies in the prison. You know why? They just want to have relationships. They want to, they want to be loved. They want to, they don't want to be alone. And that's what creates that. So that actually goes back to every what person could be good. <laughs> oh, every person can't be good. Every person's not going to. Okay. Let, 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 let me put a pin there because I want to circle back around and, and, and give you a, a reason why you're show you a fallacy in your argument that you created by a statement that you made about every person being good. But um, no, I didn't say every person is good. That I've ever witnessed in my life. <laughs> I said I'm, <laughs> we'll, I'm rooting we'll for every around. person. <laughs> Okay, I'm root. Let me let me put a pin in your belief that every person should be rooted for. How about that? Because some people just shouldn't be rooted for. Okay, accepted. All right. Okay, so so one of the saddest things I ever saw is I I was watching. Um, I went into a courtroom because I had some free time. I went over to the criminal court and I was watching this criminal trial. Uh, trial, and there's a Freudian slip there because the person on trial was a 16-year-old boy who was involved in a quadruple homicide. And so the shooter had actually already taken a plea deal and was in prison, and he was 16 as well. And the, the way that the homicide shook out is that they, they busted into a known drug house to rob the drug dealers. They made them all strip naked, stacked them all up on top of each other, and then proceeded to unload three weapons into them, like four clips apiece. They were like over 80, 80 gunshot wounds to the body. All right. The shooter was 15 at the time. The accomplice was 16. And this guy that was still, the, he was the last one standing. And he was going to have his case tried. They played a video during trial of the night he was arrested and his mom came down to see him in the, at the jail. And of course they didn't realize they were being recorded. And here's the first thing, mom couldn't have been any more than maybe 30, okay? But he was yeah. he was 16. So yeah. mom's, mom's biggest beef with him during the video was that she had told him to let her know when he was going to be out with his friends. She was giving him the hardest time about that. And I was thinking, mom, you're sitting in a police station with your son being charged as an accomplice to four homicides. You got bigger problems now than whether or not he lets you know where he's going to be. So they played that. And then halfway through the trial, he decided to play, take a plea deal. And so 
they read in the plea deal that he was going to serve 25 years on a split sentence. So he was going to have like eight years to serve or something like that. And he was going to get credit. And so they said, you know, you're going to, you're going to serve eight years, 16 years old. You know, he said, can I go ahead and leave today? And the judge said, you want to leave today to go to prison? He said, yeah, I've got friends down there and I can smoke there and I can't smoke in the county jail. That's a 16 year old child. Well, he's not a child, okay? Because one, he participated in a quadruple homicide. Two, he, his life is such that he believes I'm better off in that violent prison where I can see my friends yeah. than I am out here on the street with my, with my actual blood family. So, I mean, you know, the reason that there's no rehabilitation that goes on inside of a prison it's because there's too much money to be made by keeping the prisoners inside of the prison. Once you, oh, once you, yeah, yeah. I mean, once you go to private pay prisons and things like that that are ran by corporations, where the stockholders include judges and district attorneys who are sending the people to prison, yeah, there's yep. no, there's no rehabilitation. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There is none. But my thing is, if they're could be some, if there was rehabilitation, if there was the ability, I think that that 16 year old could actually realize, I hate that, I hate what happened. I hate that he's lost his life too because of that, because that is what he's thinking. If I could leave today, I could go smoke with my buddies. He's not thinking about human life because he, I think you can tell by his mom, she didn't ask if he was okay. She didn't ask if he was scared. She didn't ask if she didn't say, I'm scared for you. It was like, I told you not to leave without telling me, which is her saying, this better not be my fault. You know, I'm it's thinking of all the things that could be in there. So you're seeing that he was never given a chance in the first place to have any kind of, he's been desensitized from feeling. And when you don't feel, and you don't connect, start yeah. to get further on that continuum of sociopath but that doesn't mean they can't come back it, it's hard it's not likely so i don't so think everybody they, is going to burn good i wish they could if he comes back i'm rooting for him if, there you go okay that's it if, but he has to come back in order for yes. me to but that's that's the same as me talking about the the pedophile I'm not going to root for him when he's out there. I can't. I have to let that go. There's nothing I can do. I can't change him, but I can at least root for him. The root, the word is root. You're underneath. It's a root. So when they yeah. come back, you can actually grow and help them. Ooh, that's kind of deep. I like that root thing. Like, oh, I like that. Oh, root grow. We should splice that section out and just use it as a loop on one of our promotional things. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we're going to do. But no, and I honestly take this all back to the reason the word good stands out to me all the time. I get nervous. Being, I hope it's okay to say this. Like, I don't think I'm wrong to say this and I'm not nervous to say it, but not everybody would agree with me because I think there was only one good person ever. And that was Jesus. No one else is good. We have to work towards that. They crucified it. Yeah. So what is, so what is the incentive to be good? To be more like him. You didn't like that? And then a crucified? <laughs> what? <laughs> and then 
and end up crucified? If yeah, because that that's not the that's not the point of it. It's not. I hate that he was crucified, but he had to be for us to get to be where we are, and to and I say get to be where we are, which is not such a lovely place right now, but to have hope and to have you know faith and to be able to think about what yeah. it could be like what okay so let's, i'm gonna go you so talked about just a second let's slide behind the scenes real quick that that chime you heard was actually me texting susan <laughs> saying this is gold <laughs> <laughs> and me like i don't see the text i'm gonna keep talking because i know what i'm doing um, this is no this is why we're doing this podcast this is so absolutely it's just yeah. amazing. So you have a story about your litigation. I'm gonna tell a story about mine. I do have my PhD in research and statistics and measurement RMS, but I also have my master's and I'm counseling right now. So I do a lot of crisis work. I did crisis work. Brian and I did in our private practice for about six years and I did the last three years. So crisis work is after hours, homicidal, suicidal, someone on the side of the road, please pick them up, take them to the ER. Hi, I want to kill myself. We get a call at two o'clock in the morning. Please come talk to this person. And it's there's a whole lot of drugs involved too. So you have a lot of people coming down from drugs. You have a lot of people in the middle of their drugs. Um, some very interesting stories. So basically every time I'd come home from a call, my kids would wake up and I'd walk in, I'm like, don't do meth. And they're like, yes, ma'am. Because they know I saw something. <laughs> And I, and like, they'll go, what was it this time? And I'm like, he was 29 years old and he has no teeth. I do not want you to do meth. And so we just would, so that was our way of talking about it and um, kind of making light of it because they knew I'd, we'd go do serious stuff. So I go out on call, I hit the ER. It's about one and two in the morning and it was a town about 35 minutes away, their little small ER. And, and I walk in and I still just remember this man's jeans, dirty, just dirty. And he was laying on the, I guess gurney, whatever you call it, on the bed um, in the ER. And he laying flat down. I couldn't see his face. I couldn't see him. I just saw dirty jeans and this sock like halfway falling off and another sock. And I'm just dirty. And um, white t-shirt, all nasty. And um, he was suicidal. And I kind of, I looked at him and I was like, he's not suicidal. I didn't, because a lot of times they'll say that because they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to be. Right. And um right. But my thought is if you're gonna say that, then you're in a big enough, bad enough place that you still need somebody to talk to. So I sat, I, but I walked in, I looked at him and I was like, he, there's just, I don't see hope. Because as they were telling me about him before I could assess him, they were talking about how this is, he's had three bouts of cancer. He's like in his late fifties, um, he's homeless. We know him from around town. He comes here about every six months cause he you know, cycles through. And I saw him a couple of times in the three years. But I just remember thinking, he's a human being. And I'm just looking at him going, who's rooting for him? Like who's, and see, I'll, I'll start to cry. Cause I'm just like, he needs somebody to want to know where he is when he wakes up from sleeping off his drugs and medication because he has had three different bouts of cancer. And then you think of people you know who have had cancer and they just have people love them and care for them. They have commercials about right. it. This guy's homeless and he's, he's beaten three things of cancer and he's just laying there. And you're like, he's a human being. He is no less or more a human being than my mom, than me. Why doesn't he get the same kind of just attention? And so that was my job. And that's all I could do. I can't do more than that. I could just give him attention. 
And that sure. hopefully he's still going to go out and do drugs. He's still going to go out and make that family angry that he knows and they won't let him in. He's still human. So that's where I go. It's like he needs somebody to root for him. That's it. Well, there you go. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> and now <laughs> I sound so horrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, no, but how do I follow that up with anything else except, wow, you really opened my eyes to some things today. No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being so serious. And look, um, to, to the listeners, this is, this is pretty much the, the nature of our conversations with, with each other when we're just on the telephone talking because there have been times where I have just stated an absolute belief and by the time you finish explaining it in a rational manner and tying in a personal experience to it. I was like, oh, she's making some really good points. And she's probably right. I can never let her know that, but she's probably right. But in no. the podcast format, I'm not I'm not so so embarrassed to say no, you you actually make a very good point there. That's a very good example. You were able to back up your belief with with a real world world example as opposed to me suggesting something out of a movie <laughs> that, that's... and only one leave and made the odds forever be in his favor <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's the beauty of it though is like that your argument is such a great argument because i also have to figure out what do I do with someone who's a pedophile? Like, do I want him shipped off? Yeah, I've got two 15 year olds, you know, I ship them yeah. off, but, but you, you do have that push and pull. And that's where I know Greg, I know his heart. And I know that we're processing through what to do with the situation. And so it's good because you have to pull both ways to figure out where to be in the middle. Just absolutely. You know, so it is, what do you do with that person? And that's what you made me think this whole time. I was like, no, I don't want to hang out with murderers and pedophiles. But at the same time, what do we do with, what do we do? How do sure. we think about them? And so, yeah. And I, I think that's the question where as a society, you know, it's not a, a question like that. It, it should not be a partisan question. It's not, it's not a Republican answer. It's not a, Democratic answer is not an it's not a you know high high wealth socioeconomic st standard person yeah. answer. It's not the lowest of the low answer. It's really just as a society, shouldn't you all just just kind of talk through this? And I, I will be the first to tell you that as a matter of fact, last night I I said something and I was totally off base. It was totally wrong. I jumped to a conclusion and I, I admitted to her. I said, you know, I am a habitual conclusion jumper. <laughs> I just, I just take a little information that I have and I run with a conclusion and then I back myself into that conclusion. I find all the facts I need to, but so that's what society does. All right. Like, if society believes, the majority of society believes that the death penalty is is good and fair and proper and should be implemented in every state, um, they will back themselves into that conclusion. If society believes that 
homelessness is not a is not a circumstance of of life, but rather it's just a choice by the individual person. Then they will back themselves in that conclusion. You know they, that's true for for any hot button issue. You know if they believe that abortion is if the majority believes that abortion is is wrong, they'll back themselves in that conclusion. Yeah. If they the majority believes that people should be should have the choice, if women should have the choice, what to do, then the majority will back themselves into that conclusion. And we, in the, in this day and age, and I, I'm guilty of this as well, we'll only associate with those people who share those same beliefs. It's, you know, it's very, it's, it's tribalism. You know, Twitter is, is a perfect example of that. If oh, you yeah. look at my, if you look at the people following me, we all have the same beliefs. And so, and in 18, you know, in the 1700s or in any of the, times really before the information age they'll say well what did you do as, as part of the revolution you know uh, sadly our response is going to be well i followed a bunch of people that believed the same thing that i did and we traded <laughs> all day <laughs> yeah you know? well and it's kind of like it all comes back i think a lot comes back to social media right now and how it, it does form our opinions and it's not person-centered it's not yeah humanistic and that's why i can tell that story about the man with the dirty socks because i i, I sat with him right now if you would have told me that story, like your story about the trial and the 16 year old it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to want to root for him because yeah. i'm gonna root for him but i want you to send his butt to jail because that's where right. he has to go you can't right. send him anywhere i'm sorry prison because his friends are in prison but yeah. i think yeah, Twitter, social media, we, we do, we all jump to conclusions, but, you know, testimonials are <clears throat> kind of nice sometimes, but it, at the same time, we have to be careful because something still has to happen after I leave that room and you got to figure that out. And then that's where all the politicians jump in and tear it apart and throw it back at you. And then that man's still laying there with dirty socks, pretty much. Yeah. And as but, you said, I'm able to tell that story you said because I sat with him. And, and that's very true because as, yeah. you, as you were telling that story, I was visualizing what that guy probably looked like in that condition as you sat with him. And I was, I, I felt, I felt sorry for the guy. And I, I, I literally, like I said, you brought me around 180 degrees. I wanted the root for that guy, you know? <laughs> I, and that guy, I don't know if he's a good person or a bad person. It's just once you walk me through it, that I it's not that I wanted to root for him because he was a good person. I just wanted to root for him because he was a person. Yeah. Now, you take that same fact pattern of me telling you the story about my guy. And as I tell you that story, did you form any type of mental image of that guy? I did. Yeah, okay. I did. Tell, tell me what the mental image was that you formed of that, that 16 year old. Well, the first thing I formed is, is it's not emotional. He's just sitting there looking around, waiting for the trial to be over. He's not trying to connect. He's just kind of flippant and he's not connecting is the word I keep thinking of. And, and he looks like kind of a smart ass. And he's probably going to annoy me beyond belief if I'm in there because I want to get mad at him. But then I start thinking, and then I thought of what your, his mom said. And then I think of him being 16 
and then I, I take it further back to when he's younger. That's where I always go. So I always think things happen based on how we're just trained to be. Right. And I'm like, kid's been trained to be this way. I think he's probably the loneliest kid maybe, you know, in that little area, but along with all the other ones, but he's, he's been trained to be that way. So that's how I end up rooting for him because I, I see that he's, he's only doing what he was taught and prison's probably safer for him than where he lives. And so I go that way with it, but I'm, I still, and even if, honestly, I guess if, even if he's 30 or if he's 45 or if he's 50, I still think that, but he still has to go where he made himself go. Like there's yeah. no way around that. Like I still had to leave the ER and leave him knowing he's going to be homeless again. But it's what you said. So, it's the sitting with him and being with him. Yeah. So here, here's, here's the, as, as another radio great besides myself, Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't believe myself to Paul Hardy. <laughs> but here's the rest of the story. Yeah. That guy was 15 years old. It was the first time he had ever been out with those two particular guys. Had no idea what they had planned. They came by his house, picked him up in the car, and said, hey, you want to go play video games at these guys' homes? He said, yeah, sure. And they said, okay, we just got to stop by here real fast. So he's sitting in the car. He hears gunshots and he runs, comes back. And when he comes back, the one, one of the other, one of the shooters is coming out of the house and he's like, he's got his gun in his hand and he says, what's going on? He said, go see for yourself. He goes into the house. He sees the body stacked up. He starts throwing up the 16 year old. Who's the, who's the instigator in the main main shooter tells him to pick up all of the shell casings and he's telling him, look, I don't want anything to do with this. The 16 year old points the gun at him and says, if you don't want to end up like them, pick up the shell casings and let's go. They go, he, he picks up the shell casings, they leave the house, the neighbor sees the car and the 16 year old that did most of the shooting drives them to the grocery store, they go inside and they buy like a couple of Cokes and some cigars and get back in the car as if nothing has happened. When you look, when you look at him, or when I tell you the story, you imagine this tough looking 16 year old. The guy looked like he was no more than probably 10 to 12 years old. He was so small that he was wearing adult uh, jail clothes. And they were rolled up like the pants legs were rolled up about eight times because those were the smallest ones they had that would fit him. But it's like unless he gets it turned around, it's it's effectively over. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, the chances are not good that he's gonna get it turned around. Yeah. So well, see, that's, anyway. That's, that's um, actually that was really cool because I'm like no, I had it, I had it looking differently. Still rooting for him, but I had it differently. <laughs> but that's the thing is his life for us, the way we say his life is over, because he doesn't get to have the freedom of being where he wants to be. But I don't know what his life was like when he is free. So right. that's right. He would much rather be in a maximum security prison with grown men and rapists and murderers. Yeah. And that, that's, 
that's telling. And it's, that's it's also, telling. but it's also, we don't have to, you don't know what he'll learn and gain from that. And that's where the rooting comes in. So I hope he gets something out of that to get tougher and to be able to get through it. Odds aren't great, but you know, right. but it is. It's, that was a really good topic. That wasn't what I had planned today at all. <laughs> what did I have planned today? Um, it was called. What was it? Like, I did. It was. It's called reaction, hesitancy, ignorance, or racism. But then your wife and I were having a conversation. I hope it's okay that she um, makes the podcast today. But we were having a conversation talking about prejudice versus racism. Yeah. And, and I wasn't thinking that much because she kept saying, Susan, I think it's just more of a prejudice. And I'm like, well, I think that's just racism. And when I was listening to my book, The Color of Compromise, which I know Greg is going to pick up and start reading so we can talk about it. Um, <laughs> it, it is the second time I listened to chapter one, the first time I highlighted the definition of prejudice and the definition of racism. But then I, when I heard it today, when I read it or heard it today on Audible, after talking to Narda and her, and her experience and her saying to me several times, very gently, because that's how Narda is, she's like, it's, I think it, I, I think more prejudiced. And I was just like, she keeps saying that and I'm not understanding it. And I love that she allowed me just to be in that and not understand it. And which is the point of this podcast. And yeah. yeah. And, I, and then I read it again and it said prejudice, I can't remember what it was, but it, then it said racism is prejudice with power. And I was like, that was, then it all hit home and it all opened up in my head to understand how she was talking about it and how she could differentiate the two. And so. Yeah. And so I've always said that like a racist, I've, I've always viewed a racist as someone who is just extremely to a fault proud of their race that's the way i view the racist okay and and I, I always use the simplistic example of you love playing the piano you're a pianist if you love your race you're a racist yeah, <laughs> yeah. if you love say that last one again <laughs> yeah if you love playing the piano then you're a pianist if you love your race you're a racist yeah you, you, you just promote what you identify yeah. with. And I think prejudice is something completely different, you know, and I think people are too often mislabeled as racist when they're probably just prejudice. Yeah. Because a prejudice yeah, is a, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say a prejudice is a slight against someone else because of a characteristic you deem lacking in them whereas a racist is just an exaltation of your own kind and character you know so yeah so you basically you have power over other people who aren't of you exactly and, <clears throat> yeah and that's i think is the a more ingrained way that we talk but can also um, manifest or be presented as that's why I wanted to talk about reactions versus racism, um, ignorance versus racism, and then hesitation in the moment versus racism. And I think they can all kind of be seen as racism, but I don't know if they are. And I think that that 
is a great topic for our next podcast. That is what we will do next week. Yeah. Along with Christopher Columbus, rapist, our hero. Disgust. <laughs> Disgust. <laughs> Hedonist or evil? What was it? Uh, inherently uh, evil or... Evil. or hereditarily right. hedonist <laughs> so um color compromise i i'm only in chapter one no i'm actually in chapter two but i, I would say that it, it is um very thought-provoking i don't want to yeah. just go hey, this is a really okay. great book yeah it's just it's very thought-provoking there's nothing wrong with making you think people yeah all right i can't wait to, to die, do a deep dive into to that you have to read it to dive into it. So I let you know that. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us and um, listening to us. And um, we are gonna, we're gonna um, get live pretty soon, but I think we should also let you know, we have an email address that we're gonna let people know so they can, you think we should let people kind of send in their thoughts and questions once we get going? I, I think so. Hey, would you go ahead and give out the email address? Or yeah, we, I can you know, give it out. You know, we can type it on the screen, right? But for the yeah, people that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it out. I'm gonna say it, and then whenever you watch this, it's gonna be on the screen as I'm saying it. Okay. We're gonna figure out. We're gonna figure out how to do that by the time we. <laughs> so it's it am post, a post production person. <laughs> that's right. All right. What's right, the email? Is am I wrong? F T T. Am I wrong? FTT, which stands for for thinking this. So, am I wrong? FTT at gmail.com. You can send in your thoughts. You can send in your comments. You can send in your am I wrong for thinking this. And we can actually, we would love to start kind of processing that at the end of shows just to see how many other people are out there like us. Absolutely. So. And um, we are also um, establishing our, our Instagram and Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, and then yeah. you have our you have our YouTube channel set up, which we'll start yeah. putting the videos out there. We're putting videos up for those of you who are only getting the audio. You can go to YouTube, and we're going to start loading our videos to YouTube as well. Man, Grace, Susan, that that was awesome. That was a great, great, great session. <laughs> yep. All right, All right. y'all have a good one. All right. Okay, Wait. that was Radio Gold. <laughs>